Hey, Brian Hubbard here, pastor at Rock House Baptist Church. I want to personally thank you for tuning in to our podcast today. We pray that the message inspires you, encourages you, and challenges you to be the person God wants you to be. Be sure to check us out online at rockhousebaptist.org where you can find out more on how to connect, grow, and go. Now for today's message. Listen, this morning it's an honor to preach to you about how the trials of our life truly change the heart of the servant of God. So if you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn to James chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 1 through 8 and then verse 12. I'm not going to lie, this is one I've always, always, somebody's always got a word that they've always wanted to say or preach to somebody. This is one for me because... uh, Listen, I'll just be honest with you, as I've talked to Brother Dan before, and Brother Tyler, and, and these other brothers and sisters, these verses come to mind, especially number two, and we're going to talk about them in just a minute. So, here's what I want you to do. As you go through this sermon this morning, and you hear the words that's preached, just remember, the trials that you've been through have got you where you are today. You're right where you're at because God needs you to be right where you're at. Now, is the race finished? Oh, no, we're not having a service just for you today. Your race is still being ran or run. I'm not sure grammatically which one to use there. But here's what we're going to do. We're going to jump into these verses. Then we're going to open up with prayer after these verses. And we're going to dive into the scripture this morning that God, I believe, has for us in the middle of this pandemic. Verse 1 says, James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes who are dispersed or scattered, some Bibles say, abroad. Greetings. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete lacking in nothing. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach or hesitation, some Bibles may say, and it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith without doubting, for the one who doubts is like the surf or waves of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord. Verse 8, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. And then verse 12, blessed is a man who perseveres under trial. For once he has been approved, amen, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let us go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this very moment. Father, I thank you for the trials that you may or may not send our way. Lord, even the ones that we bring upon ourselves, I thank you for delivering us, delivering us from them. Lord, open our hearts now. May every Christian here this morning and even the unbeliever leave their heart at the foot of the cross. Lord, we love you. We praise you. May everything be said and done today bring honor and glory to you. It's in Jesus' most precious name we pray. 
Everybody said, Amen. Alrighty, before we get into our scripture this morning real deep, I want to talk about who this James is. Now, it's important to know, I think, when you're under somebody's voice or you hear preaching, to know context of why this letter is being wrote and who is writing it. First thing we need to know that James is the half-brother of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. They shared the same mother, but obviously they had different fathers, right? Alrighty, there were other brothers and sisters in the family as well. Now take this for just a moment, for a second. Put yourself in James' shoes, not James Causey's, but James the Apostle. Here's what I'm saying. Can you imagine growing up the younger brother of the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ? I mean, just think about it. How tough would it be? I can just hear his mom and dad, Mary and Joseph, saying, James, can't you just be like your older brother, Jesus? I mean, this world would be a much better place, James, if you were like Jesus. I couldn't help but the time to think that when Jesus was spouting off what is Scripture now, but at the moment was just truth. When he would say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I can just hear James saying, Mom, Jesus has lost it again. Because the Bible tells us in John chapter 7, verse 5, that not even his brothers were believing him. So James grew up refusing to believe who Jesus is and who Jesus was and it was to become. And it wasn't until after the resurrection that James believed when Jesus appeared to him. And you can read about that in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 7, a little more later. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds a little bit like you and me before we were believers, wouldn't you say so? I mean, how many people on earth know that Jesus is real? Or that Jesus is or was someone? How many people's heard about the miracles? I don't care who you are, you've heard that Jesus healed the blind, made the lame to walk again, fed 5,000 with two loaves and some, you know, some fish, and it goes on. But what's so sad is they'll hear what He done for you on the cross and for me on the cross, and yet they still ex- not accept Him. They refuse to accept Him and follow Him as Lord and Savior. Now I want you to understand that James was that person. James, before writing this letter, was a non-believer growing up in the same household as Jesus. Hmm. Now, I want you to, for a moment... We've talked about who James is. We're going to talk about why he's writing this letter. Most theologians seem to think that James is equivalent to the book of Proverbs. James is the New Testament version of the Proverbs. And Proverbs was all about what? Wisdom. It was all about wisdom. So here's what we got. James now is the writer of the epistle, which is another word for letter, for Practical Christian living. So this non-believer is now telling us believers how to live. James is known as a devout man of prayer, being nicknamed Camel Knees because of the large swollen calluses on his knees. So let that be a lesson for us this morning, that a non-believer turned his or her heart over to God and was humbled by God so much that he knew the only way to make it through the trials of life was to fight them on his Knees. Amen. Charles Stanley, Life Principle Bible, 
Life principle number 29 says this, we learn more in our valley experiences than on our mountaintops. Amen? Amen. Why, you must ask. Because in those valley moments, that is when we hit our knees and seek God the most. How many has ever been there? Amen. More about James before we dive into the Scripture. Church history says James was martyred by being pushed off the Holy Temple's highest point. Yet the fall did not kill him. <laughs> but the people standing around finished him off once they noticed he was still alive by beating him to death. And eyewitnesses say all the while James was praying for those who were attacking him. That is a heart for God. Jesus says, love your enemies and your neighbor. It's all the same. You better love them. You better love them. Sorry, I threw a kink in that one. So as we dive into Scripture this morning, know that God has the power to take an unbeliever and change the world through them. Five points that I think you're going to see this morning or that come to fruition for me as I was studying this week was this. We're going to talk about them. So if you're taking notes, now it's a good time because we're not going to go back and say point one, point two, and whatnot. We're going to hammer those out right now. Number one, you're going to see that you should consider it a joy to be tested. Hmm. You don't get that on a Monday morning email, do you? Consider it a joy to be tested. Number two, our trials produce endurance. What do you mean by endurance? We're going to get into that more in a little bit. Our trials make us perfect, complete, and lacking nothing in the eyes of God. Not in the eyes of the world. Point four, God gives us wisdom. The Bible says we should just ask, but in faith, He will give it to us. Point five, the believer will receive a crown of life. Now let's dive into verse one really quick. James opens like this. He says, James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the twelve tribes who were dispersed or scattered abroad. Now it's important to know that James didn't take his pedigree for granted and use it as uh, a promotion in life. It would have been easy for him to say, hey, I'm the brother of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Take that. That's not how he opened it up. He talked about being a bondservant. Now in the Greek word or Hebrew words, you're going to hear the word kurios, which means Lord or Master. He's seen Jesus as his master, not his brother, but his master. You'll also hear the word polios. I've been practicing these all week. Which means slave. Which is truly just what that means. He was a slave to Jesus because of the bond that he owed Jesus. Because of the commitment that he had announced to Jesus. Again, he didn't use his status to promote himself. But yet he took on the lowest form in society of being a slave to show his commitment to Jesus. So I ask you this morning, would you be willing to take on the lowest form of society? You have to think. Now that he's wrote this letter, he becomes an enemy, or shall we say a public enemy, number one, because of his commitment to Jesus. He's writing the letter to the Jewish Christians who have been driven from Jerusalem because of the persecution that they're receiving by the Jewish authorities. Now I don't know about you, we're very lucky to live in America, aren't we? Say what you want. Nobody's coming in here driving you out of the church because we're preaching the gospel this morning or believing the gospel this morning. 
Consider it all a joy, my brethren, he says in verse 2, when you encounter various trials. Now that's hard to swallow sometimes, isn't it? It's hard to swallow that when I'm in the middle of a trial, it may just be a blessing. Hmm. You see, trials are going to come our way. They're inevitable. The things that we face, it don't matter how you live, it don't matter what you do, you can do 99% good, you're still going to have a trial to face. They're coming. Job chapter 5, verse 7 says this, But humans are born for trouble as surely as sparks fly upward. What did Jesus say about persecution and trials? Well, if you look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 12, Jesus says this, Be glad and rejoice because your reward, whose reward? Your reward. The believer's reward, that's us, is great in heaven for that is how they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now Jesus was talking about when you're persecuted for His name. When you're talked about for His name. When people are saying your faith is not real. You're only doing it for good reasons for yourself. That is being persecuted for the Lord. He says your reward is great in heaven. Amen? You have to know that those people who are saying that, guess where their reward is? Earth. It's here. This is it for them. That's why we have to go tell them about Jesus because I don't want them to die lost and going to hell. Now, let's put these trials that James is talking about in context. They aren't like trials of the courtroom, okay? They're not like that. These trials are like temptations from the evil one. Temptations from an unbeliever who wants you to fall into peer pressure, teenagers. Hear this? Even adults. Okay? These trials are like the testing of time and faith when you're in that valley experience and you're praying, Oh Lord, deliver me. Take this from me. Help me, Lord. You know what? To endure is to keep praying knowing that you're going to get an answer. Is it always the answer we want? No, but is it always best for God? Yes, if you're praying in faith. Now, the next test may be to step out in faith. What's that mean? God is calling you to do something and you're not so sure. Step out. Watch what He can do through you and for you. You will change somebody else's life. I don't know who under the sound of my voice ever, Sunday through Sunday, if I'm changing their life, but I sure hope I am. But we have that opportunity to share the gospel. Solomon Northup, who was a slave for 12 years, said this about trials and temptations of life. He says, At such times, the heart of a man turns instinctively toward his Maker when trials come. But in prosperity, and whenever there is nothing to injure him or make him afraid, he remembers God not, and he is ready to defy him. But place him in the midst of danger. Cut him off from human aid. Let the grave open up before him. Then it is in that time of his tribulation that the scoffer, the unbelieving man, turns to God for help, feeling there is no other hope, no other refuge, no other safety. No other saving arms than the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I got chill bumps for that when I was reading that this week and got it again. Talking about a man literally in slavery. 
Yet he knew he was going to be delivered if he just kept his eyes on Jesus. Amen. Now the beautiful thing about trials is, yeah, hear me say that. The beautiful thing about trials is this. Trials reveals the faith we have. It's easy to have faith when everything's going good. you got money in the bank. Mom and dad's over for supper, you know. All this and that. And all the kids aren't crying or screaming or acting like their daddy. Okay, it's easy to have faith when times are like that. The funny thing about our faith is this. God knows the faith that we have. But the kicker is we don't. <laughs> you don't know what faith you have until you're put to the test. I've heard it said this, that Christians are like tea bags. You never know what flavor they are until they're placed in hot water. Hmm. Think about that for a moment. Easy to be somebody when things are going good. Then you see in verse 4, James says this, Let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect, complete, lacking in nothing. Now, here's some context to this. James knew he was writing to a Jewish audience, and he knew the importance of competition in their culture. I'm talking to a Western American audience. You know the importance of competition, right? This pastor's the best guy until he's got a whistle around his neck trying to win a ball game. And then I'm having to sing Amazing Grace, right, Brother Rod, to keep from really blowing up. Or uh, one of my favorites was, as I was getting beat sometimes, better is one day in your court, right, than a thousand on this football field is what I was thinking. Okay, I've been there, okay? Now that's something very small, but James knew he was talking to some Greeks, and he knew that they were big-time competitors. They had something similar to our decathlon. If you don't know what that is, it's a track and field event where you do 10 events, and you add up your points as you go, and it determines who's the winner of the whole event. Okay? Hang with me. Those who considered, or those who completed the event, but didn't win, were considered to be complete. That's a pretty good athlete right there. That's a pretty good person. He's tough, he's endured, he's completed it. But those who would win were considered complete and perfect. And that's the hope we have as believers because if our hope's in Jesus Christ, we're made perfect. We completed the race of life and at the end, God makes us perfect because of our belief. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 says this about our endurance. It says, Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us. That's a little bit of verse 1. Verse 2 says, Keeping our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy that lay before Him, He endured the cross, despising the shame, set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Amen? Amen. You think, that, you think of the endurance you have, it don't come from you. It comes because our Savior carried the cross up Calvary Mountain and hung there for you and me at Golgotha, the place of the skull. Now, I don't know about you, but I bring plenty of trials upon myself. Can I get amen? We bring a lot on ourselves, whether it's our agenda, whether it's something we're fighting with the flesh, whether we're just not praying. But I, what I like about trials is even when I throw myself into a pit, it takes a little longer to get out more, more often than not, but I get to see the power of Jesus Christ lift me back up and set me on solid ground. I've seen it here in this church. I've seen this church be pretty low before. But we had a few people praying 
constantly in their closet on their knees and look at us now. We're no better than anybody else, but we're striving to be as good as we can for the Lord. And our prayer should be this. God, I don't want this trial again, but I know it was worth it. I know you did a miracle through this trial in my life. Amen. It's because of you, Father, and your love for me that you would pour out on the cross that I can withstand what's going on in my life right now. You've done something wonderful in this trial. The Bible talks about God giving us wisdom. Verse 5 says, But if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously without reproach. Reproach meaning he's not hesitant to give it to you. And it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith without any doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf or the wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man or woman ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord. Be thankful for your trials. Your trials allows you to seek God. That's it. That's the bottom line. We need to ask God when we're in the middle of a trial in our valley experience, God, is this something you are removing from my life because it's distracting me from putting my eyes on you? Or God, is this something you're putting me through to give me strength, to persevere, so that you can receive the glory at the end? Proverbs 2, verses 1 through 7, talks about wisdom. I couldn't talk about James without going into Proverbs. He says, my son... If you accept my words and store up my commands with you, within you, listening closely to wisdom and directing your heart to understanding. Furthermore, if you call out to insight and lift up your voice to understanding, to God that is, if you seek it like silver and search for it like a hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. Verse 6, For the Lord gives wisdom, from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He stores up success for the upright. He is a shield to those who live with integrity. Amen. James talks about how we must ask in faith without doubting. Then he gives a description of what you're like if you're asking and not truly believing that the Lord can do it. Let me say this. When you do that, it's not talking about you. You're doubting who? the Lord. Your faith in Him. You don't have faith in yourself. You have faith in Him. So when you're praying to Him, don't let your carnal mind say, Lord, I don't know if this is possible, but <laughs> the Bible says, in the beginning, God what? Created heaven and earth. If He did that, He can answer your simple prayer. He can move your simple mountain. Looks like a mountain to us. To Him it's a mustard seed. Amen? He goes on to say that they're tossed. And this is a good description of someone who isn't a believer, to be honest with you. The unbeliever is never settled. They're high, they're low, they're back and forth like waves. They're driven by the winds. What does that mean? Oh, anything on the news. Oh, anything that comes across their desk on Monday morning. They're just driven, they're up and down. There's no medium for their life. It's just whatever, you know? Both the unbeliever and the ways are capable of destruction, not for only their life, 
but for others. So we believers want to ask without doubting. We want to be the firm foundation, the one God builds His rock upon. He is our rock and our refuge. Asking with doubt, one commentator said it like this, would be like asking God with no faith at all. You should almost not even open up your prayer, he says. He goes on to say, to be double-minded is to have two souls. This person wants to be secure in both worlds, heaven and earth. He will not give up earth, this person won't, but he is really slow to let heaven go. You think about that. Jesus says we can't serve two masters. Jesus talks about being lukewarm. He says he will what? Spit us from his mouth. Folks, those people who pray in doubt, and I'm guilty of it too. Don't let the preacher stand up here and act like he's holy and walking on water. I'm just like you. I go through trials. My, my Sunday morning this morning was a rough one. I'll just be honest. But here's the thing. If you're praying with doubt, you're saying, I have too much faith to be an unbeliever. But I have too much doubt to really enjoy God and, the experience, and to experience His blessings and walking with Him. In that end victory, I like to think of sports when I practice Monday through Thursday and Friday we lay it all out there. And the time that I do get to be victorious, how great is that? How great is that? Charles Spurgeon says this. Uh, we can't leave Charles Spurgeon out hardly ever. Charles Spurgeon says this about trials. This one hit me hard. This one brought me to my knees as I was praying and studying. Spurgeon says, I have looked back to the times of trial with a kind of longing not to have them return, but to feel the strength of God as I felt it then. To feel the power of faith as I felt it then. To hang upon God's powerful arm as I hung upon it then. To see God at work as I saw Him then. Amen? It don't get no better than that. <laughs> to see God at work as I saw Him then. Think about when God delivered you. I know. I was. He saved my life. That's how I want to be. Every day I get up, it's the same feeling. Thank you, Lord, for saving my life. Amen. And I want to close with this and kind of be a long closing, but I'm going to wrap it up with this. Verse 12 says, Once you've endured, endured the trials, and not endured them on your own, but endured, endured them with faith in Jesus Christ. Verse 12 says this, Blessed is the man or woman who perseveres under trial. For once he or she has been approved, he or she will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised. Who has promised? The Lord who created heaven and earth has promised to those who love Him. I love Him. What about you? You've got a gift coming in this life and in the next. So no matter what we go through as believers, we have to hold on to the hope that Jesus gives us in His death in His burial, in His resurrection. As Brother Steve says, we are justified through the resurrection and the blood of Jesus Christ. So when you go on this week, remember this. Count your trials as a joy. If you know somebody in it, in a trial, be praying for them. 
They're going to come our way. Trials and temptations are. Don't think you're no better than the next and you're going to miss one. Whether you're kindergarten or whether you are uh, as, as a senior of the church. But no matter what, always remember this. Always, always, always. Cling to the cross for it is the main attraction. At the end of the day, pour your heart out at the foot of the cross and it will be okay. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, God, we come to You with nothing. Nothing but our faith, Lord. Lord, but You tell us our faith in Your Son, Jesus Christ, whom You sent down from heaven to take up the flesh of a man. You say that's enough. Father, that there is a crown of life for us. Lord, I pray that these words don't return void. That we take these words from the book of James in practical Christian living and wisdom of God and we trust what the Bible says. We trust it so much, Father, that we would pray without doubting that whatever we ask, you tell us, you will give it in the name of Jesus. Sometimes we know, Father, your our prayers and your timing may be a little different. But God, we know You're not saying no. You're saying just not now. It's time for You to endure so that You will be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Father, I thank You for these folks here this morning. But Father, I thank You most for Your Son who would carry a cross with a crown of thorns to be beat, to be spat on, Lord, to be treated worse than the dirt that we have have here on earth. That He would be treated like that. And then that He would be hung on a cross, Father. Let us take it in for a moment that His hands were nailed. His feet were nailed. His side was pierced. All that we can have peace. Peace of mind. Peace in our heart. Father, knowing that no matter what, Your will will prevail in this wild and crazy world. But Father, use us to show others that. Thank You for Your Son. We love You and we praise You. Let Your words go forth, Father. And all God's people say, Amen. Thanks again for tuning in today. Remember, the greatest decision you could ever make is to place your faith in Jesus Christ for salvation and to begin a personal relationship with Him. Thanks for listening and God bless.